Well, amen. I am, uh, man, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm glad that you chose to be here for this uh, weekend, Martin Luther King weekend. You could be a whole lot more places today, couldn't you? But I am glad that you are here. And um, we're going to continue in a series we've been talking about, started at last Sunday. We're talking about core values. And what we wanted to do this uh, first part of this year is really begin to talk about who we are, what we're about, and we need some core values, don't we? We have some. Whether you, you recognize them or talk about them, we all have certain values that we live by. So we kind of want to talk about ours. Last week we said that people matter to God and therefore they what? They matter to us. And today uh, we're going to look at another passage of scripture. And our core value for today is the gospel message transforms lives. The gospel message transforms people's lives. I want to invite you, you can follow with me up along on the screen. We're going to look at Colossians, Colossians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading at verse 10 and read through verse 21. We all must appear before Christ in court so that each person can be paid back for the things that were done while in the body, whether they were good or bad. So we try to persuade people. Since we know what it means to fear the Lord, we are well known by God. And I hope that in your heart, we are well known by you as well. We aren't trying to commend ourselves to you again. Instead, we are giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you could answer those who take pride in the superficial appearance and who not in, and not in, go back one more time for me, and not in what is in the heart. If we are crazy, it is for God's sake. If we are rational, it is for your sake. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. One died for the sake of all, therefore all died. He died for the sake of all so that those who are alive should live no longer for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So then from this point on, we won't recognize people by human standards. Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of a new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled to himself through that person, through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God calls the one who didn't know sin, to be sin for our sake, so that through him we would become the righteousness of God. God took him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become reconciled to God. Isn't that a wonderful verse for us today? Let us pray together. Almighty God, we are thankful today for these words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. God, I pray that they would have an effect on our lives. Lord, that we might come today, leave differently than we came in, that we might be changed. So change us right now. 
in the mighty words of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. I'm reading a, a book right now, and the, the title of the book is called Transformed. Transformed. And there's a story in the book about a, a London real estate mogul. His name is Lindsay Clegg. And in the story, it talks about how Lindsay, who became a Christian, he, he tells this story about how he was had lots of property, just property all over the city. And it, he was selling this one piece of property. It was a warehouse. And the warehouse had been there for a, a long, long time. And finally, a buyer, a potential buyer, came along. And so he goes out to meet the guy and to show him the property. And when he gets there, he's kind of stunned to see what the property looks like. The, the windows on the outside have been, uh, they've been knocked out. There's graffiti painted on the walls. It's just a, a mess. And they go inside, and there's trash thrown everywhere. I mean, vandals have just really done a, a job on this piece of property. And so Lindsay tells a story about how he's just kind of, he hated to do it. But he said, you know what, I'll bring some folks in. And we'll get everything cleaned up. We'll get the graffiti off the wall. We'll pick up the trash. We'll, if there's any structural damage, we'll take care of that. To his surprise, the buyer said, forget about cleaning it up. He said, I'm going to tear this place down. He said, I, I'm not interested in the building. I just want the site. It kind of speaks to what God wants to do for you and for me today. See, God's not interested in taking the old you and doing a little renovation or, or painting the walls or changing any structural damage. God is in the business of transformation, not renovation. He wants to tear us all the way down and build up something completely new. Isn't that wonderful for us today? That God takes our old life, the, the, the hard times, the, the ugly stuff, and he doesn't just fix it, but he tears it down and builds up something completely new. Do you know that God today is in the transformation business? Last week we said he was in the people business. Let me tell you, he's in the people transformation business. I'm so glad today that God doesn't take the old me and just fix me a little bit and sweep up some dirt, but he in fact does this really incredible job that only God can do of changing us and re and not renovating us, but building up something new out of something that many times that was broken. Aren't you glad today that God can take the old and turn it into something completely new? We need to be transformed. That's our message today, that the gospel message transforms people's lives. Now, now why do we need this transformation to take place? Why do we need that to happen in us? It's because of that pesky little three-letter word that we all hate to talk about, it, and it's that word sin. Sin that so oftentimes clouds our lives, so oftentimes causes us great pain, that keeps us from moving into God's best for us. It's that word sin that's why we need to be transformed. But So what is sin? Sin are those things that we do wrong, right? I mean, that's part of the definition. The most elementary definition of sin is that it's when we, by our actions, break God's laws and break God's commands. But there's more to it than that, right? It's not just what we do, but it's oftentimes what we fail to do. We talk about it like this. They're the sins of commission and the sins of omission. 
Those are those ones that we commit. You know what they are. It's like when we um, do bad things to people, when we say bad things to people, when there's um, adultery in our lives, all of those things that we do when we break God's laws and we break God's command. But there's also those sins of omission. That's those sins that we forget to do or we don't always do. What are some of those? It's like when we don't pray. When we don't seek God and reading the scripture with our lives, when we don't take care of those who are in need around us. You know, on the first Sunday when we have communion, we read that prayer together, don't we? Merciful God, we have not loved you with our whole heart, that we have failed to be an obedient church, that we have not done your will, that we have broken your law, that we have remembered that we have not taken care of the needy. And then what do we say? Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. It's not just what we do. It's oftentimes what we don't do. That's kind of the story of Adam and Eve, is it not? You remember the story, if you haven't been in church, maybe you haven't heard that story, but it all started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And you remember uh, the snake came in and, and said, hey, there you can, God had told them, you can have everything in the garden. Everything is yours. Everything, all of your needs are provided for. But there's just this one tree. There's one tree that's sitting in the middle of the garden and don't touch it or don't eat of its fruit. That was God's only command. And you know what Adam and Eve did, right? They had to eat from it. They had to touch the fruit and, and touch the fruit. And in that moment, sin entered into our existence. But really and truly, that's not just a story that happened long ago, is it? It's a story that continues to happen today. That's our story, is it not? That we have, God has given us so much, and He said, Thou shalt not do whatever. And we say, By George, we'll do what we want to do, oftentimes, don't we? And we are led astray by our own desires, and ultimately, we find ourselves in these hard places because of sin. Now, we wish we could just take it out, don't we? We wish we could just do away with it. We wish sometimes that we could fix ourselves, don't we? Fix ourselves. Don't you think, don't we do a good job at that? Of transforming our lives and fixing ourselves and doing away with our own problems. Don't we do a great job of that? No, not so much. See, Paul said that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that sin that we are separated from God, that we are out of relationship with God. And what we need is a Savior. Uh, that, a Savior to come in and to truly fix our problem, our sin problem unfortunately we don't always look to god do we we look to other things and as we look to other things to fix us to provide for us to give us that sense of longing and meaning in our lives it ultimately doesn't give us any meaning at all but it in fact makes us feel empty emptiness is the problem of our day emptiness and people in America, what we do is we are, we are so, um, we, we can't stand emptiness. There's something about emptiness that drives us to this place in, in which we don't feel like we have purpose and we have meaning. And so we go to great lengths to, to fill that hole in our soul that only God can fill. You know, there's a lot of empty people in our world today. There's a lot of empty people in America today. 
And, and what the, our culture tells us is that you, what you need to do is you need to fill that hole with consumerism and, and work. And, and the, the idea is, is that you can ultimately buy meaning in your life. That you can fill up that hole of meaningless with stuff. And so if you buy a new car or you buy a new house or if you have more things, that'll fill up the hole and that'll give you meaning in life. Or it's if you'll go out and work and if you'll have this really great career and if you'll, that'll make you feel good, good about yourself and it'll ultimately fill up that hole, that, that place of meaningless and emptiness that we almost have. The trouble is, is none of those things work, do they? None of those things work at all. If that were the case, then the United States of America would be a really happy place, wouldn't it? But it's not. And what we often see are angry and anxious and people who are upset at the world. Shelly came home uh, this week and told me a story about an incident she had on the highway. She was coming around 280, it was uh, I-285 coming over to 675 from uh, coming home from Gainesville. And she said, I was just doing what I do. And if you know Shelly, she just kind of drives the speed limit and she's always safe, which is good because somebody in our house needs to do that at times. And so she's just kind of doing her thing, driving along. She said, all of a sudden, this guy comes up beside her and he's trying to swerve into her and he's pointing the wrong finger at her and he's yelling all these obscenities to her and then he, he pulls around her and he gets in front of her and he hits the brakes and he pulls up beside her again and he's saying and yelling all of these things to her. He just better be glad I wasn't around or close by. I don't know if I could have given him uh, very much grace. And I said, Shelly, what, what was going on? She said, I, I just started thinking about it. what have I done? Did I, did I pull in front of him? Did I do anything? She said, but I didn't do anything. And she managed to get away from him. And she got in a couple of lanes over, and she looked over, and here's that guy doing the same thing to somebody else. See, we live in a world, don't we, that's angry oftentimes. For no good reason, uh, we are angry and we're upset and we're full of anxiety, and, all, and those things oftentimes manifest themselves out in these really sad ways. We need to be transformed. Our hearts and our lives need to be transformed. But how do we do that? How do our lives, how are our lives transformed? If we can't do it ourselves, how then does it take place? It's through Jesus, isn't it? The message of the cross is what transforms our lives. I know if you're here, you're saying, you know, that's exactly what I expected to hear today. I expected that when I came to church, I was going to hear the preacher say something like that. And a lot of times you hear me say that or another preacher say that, and you say, well, that's just good preacher talk. Let me tell you something. There is a difference between going to church and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a difference in going through the motions of Christianity and allowing the God, the creator of the universe, do a work in your heart that it changes your life. It's a whole different thing of sitting in a pew and yielding your life to Christ and allowing him to form in something, form in you something completely new. See, what I'm inviting you in today is a personal walk with Christ whereby you yield yourself to him, allowing him to mold you and to change you and to make you into a new creation. See, just let me tell you, 
the gospel message transforms people's lives. I am so excited today that we don't have to come into this place fixed. I'm so excited today that we don't have to fix ourselves or change ourselves or dress ourselves up, that we don't have to come to church and be good or right before God. He doesn't want that from us. He accepts us just the way we are. I mean, I don't know about you folks, but that's good news for me because there was a time in my life when I was far away from Jesus, when I was far away from God, there was that great separation and I needed a relationship and that one decision changed my life forever. How many of you know that story this morning about what God can do to the person who yields himself to him? It's a beautiful thing that God is in the transformation business, that God receives us and he accepts us just the way we are and he lavishes goodness upon us. You know, we don't tell our kids, do we? You, you do good and then I'll love you. Do we do that? I mean, what good parent would do something like that? Hey, son, hey, daughter, you do good, and then I'll love you. No, that's not what we do, is it? We love them unconditionally. We've learned something, that children can't do good unless they know that they are loved unconditionally. You know, that's what our Heavenly Father has done for us. He didn't say, you do good, and then I'll love you. He said, come to me. And I love you, un- and I love you unconditionally. The cross is an unconditional love for you and me today. That it doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter the circumstances of our life, it doesn't matter the problems that we face, it doesn't matter the, our guilty feelings or the wrong things that we've done. There's nothing, no sin too great that God doesn't receive us. Isn't that the story of the prodigal son? And that's one of my favorite stories. You remember how it goes. The young man, the prodigal son, went off. He asked for part of his father's inheritance. And he goes out into the world and he spends it on on wild parties and people. And all of a sudden he finds out that he spent everything that he has. And in this moment of desperation, he thinks about he thinks back to his father and he said, My father, even the slaves in my father's house live better than I'm living right now. So what happens? He starts that journey back to his father's house. And his father sees him coming and he runs out to him. And before he can even get that prayer or that sentence of repentance out of his mouth, his father's already saying, put a new robe on him. Put a ring ring on his hand. Put sandals on his feet. Kill the fatted calf for my son who was dead. That's what it says. My son who had died has come back to life. It's really, they ought to change the story. And it ought not to be the prodigal son, but it ought to be the prodigal God. You know what prodigal means, right? It means lavish. It means extravagant. See, our God is a God of extravagant love for us. That he's not a God who punishes us or points fingers at us or who's looking for us to do something wrong. You see, I've learned that sin is punishment enough. I was counseling a, a, a man a few years ago who had been married three times and he had had three adulterous affairs in those marriages. And he found himself with four children and paying more in child support than most men make in a year. And he came to me and he said, why is God punishing me? Now, I, I didn't say what I wanted to say. But see, sin in and of itself is oftentimes, most of the time, punishment enough we get ourselves into the biggest problems into the most difficult places and didn't have anything to do with God did it 
It's about a lady that I counseled one time. And she had had a, a problem in her family with a, a sister of hers. And this sister came to her and begged her to forgive her. And she chose not to forgive her sister. Fifteen years later, this lady is bound up inside because of unforgiveness. She's isolated from the rest of her family, wanting to know why is it that my life has turned out the way that it has. You see, sin, folks, is punishment enough for us most of the time. It's that ugly little three-letter word called sin that most of the time puts us into those deep, dark, ugly places. And what we need to do, don't we, is we need to come before a holy God and lay down our pride and lay down all of our stuff and say, Lord, I need forgiveness in my life. Lord, I repent of this sin. Lord, uh, take this, the, the brokenness in my life and build something completely new. That's the message of the gospel. You want to know what the hope of the world is? You want to know that the very thing in our world that can take care of this feeling of emptiness, this feeling of loss, of just being lost, this, this feeling of having no meaning, you want to know what it is? It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a hole in your soul that can't be filled by anything else but God. See, you were created that way. That's why nothing else works. That's why it doesn't matter what you try. Let me, let me, young folks, let me just help you from making mistakes along that will continue the rest of your life. You cannot find happiness in people, in places, or in things. They don't provide it. They weren't meant to, and they never will. Only Christ Jesus can do that for you. It's a cry of your pastor's heart today. And the reason it's my cry is because I come in contact, matter of fact, about every person that I come in contact has this hole in their soul. And we work for a long time trying to fill it up with things that will never work. And I'd love to be able to step in and say, don't do this. If you won't do this, go a different direction. Don't, don't let this be the most important thing in your life because it's not going to work. It's not going to take you where you want to go. It's not going to give you what you think you need. Only one thing that can do that, and that's our God. Now, what do we do with this message? Paul said that we were ministers of reconciliation, that Christ had come in and reconciled us for God. Therefore, all of us as the church have been called into this ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? That our greatest message... The most important thing that we proclaim, the most important thing that we do, the most important thing that we preach is the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That He's the hope of the world. That He doesn't leave us, He doesn't forsake us. That when we feel a long way away from Him, we're never too far that He can't invite us in. That He doesn't change our lives. It's an important message. It was an important one for me. Maybe it was an important one for some of you. And maybe it's yet to be an important message for some of us today. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from laying down your life to get off that treadmill? Y'all seen that before we talked about it. You, know, you ever had a, one of those hamsters? You ever had a hamster? 
one of those hamsters. You ever had a hamster scare you? You know what they do? They just worry you to death, don't they? They get on that little, they get on that little wheel in their cage, and they just run on it, and it makes racket. I used to sit there and watch television and hear the girl's hamster running in there, and I would go, the stupid thing doesn't know that it's not going anywhere. It's just running. When you think about it, that's a lot of our stories, isn't it? Working and trying to get ourselves right, make ourselves happiness happy and fill the hole in our soul and it never works because it was never meant to be only god can do that let us pray god we are thankful today that you have provided a way that we can be in relationship with you again God, that you have provided a means by which that hole in our soul can be filled. God, that you have offered us abundant life today and eternal life in the, day, in the age to come. And God, all we need to do is just make the decision. Now, I, it's not the easiest decision to make. But God, when we choose by faith to lay down our lives, to yield ourselves to you, to, to go a completely different direction, God, your word tells us that you meet us in that place and you start a process of reconciliation and transformation in us. Lord, today, I, I pray that it might be so for all of us gathered here. And it would be the single most important message of this church. People matter to God, and so therefore they must matter to us. And the gospel message transforms people's lives. We claim it today and we give you thanks for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.